On this episode of Movie Bites, we take a look at the 1953 fairy tale classic, Peter Pan. Hello and welcome to Movie Bites, the show where three guys sit down and take a look and discuss a beloved Disney animated classic movie. We started at the very beginning all the way at Snow White and God willing, we'll make it to the very end of the world, which might be in 2020 if everything continues as it is. <laughs> Hooray! Hooray! End of the world. Today I'm joined by my faithful co-hosts who have been here since episode one, David Jones and Jeffrey Prez. How are we doing, guys? Doing great, doing great. Hanging in there, living the dream, the Corona dream. Awesome, <laughs> Corona dreams. <laughs> What's new with you guys? Anything? Any uh, any Disney updates in your lives? Anything going on with you that pertains to this podcast? Crickets. Um, no, Crickets. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, I still haven't checked out any of the the newer stuff on Disney Plus. Been meaning to check out it. There's a new Muppets. Not that we mean to date this oh, show. Yeah. But some uh, some stuff up. that's going on right now. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some stuff that's not Mandalorian season two. That's it's true. Very upsetting. It's not. <laughs> I did watch the new Muppet uh, Muppets Now episode one yesterday, and it was okay. Ooh. Um, yeah, I don't know. It is. It, it was not enough in episode one to like give it a fair shake of what it's gonna be like. But um, we'll see. We'll see. It's the new uh, Kermit the Frog voice actor, and so uh, I, I was reading online. A lot of people are are struggling and working through trying to come to grips with that guy's voice. And yeah. uh, so so we'll see. That's gonna, that's gonna take some time. But it, mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily like the overall. Uh, format of the show but it is kind of a variety show which is a bit more true to form so um if this was a muppet podcast uh i would go into much more details of my thoughts but it's worth checking out and uh hopefully hopefully they find their niche and they they find their stride eventually i'm just happy that they're putting something out that's that's muppet themed that's nice yeah same i i'm weird and i like the abc like the office styled one the best yeah. Which is funny because everybody always goes straight to that one as the worst of the worst. And I'm with you. I didn't I didn't think it was terrible. And I think it, it almost worked better than what this is. But Yeah, I thought the format it, was cool. I don't know. It's different. I only watched like yeah. the first episode, maybe the first two episodes, and I, I couldn't get into it. But I don't think I gave it a fair enough shake. I just mm-hmm. haven't gotten back to it. I keep meaning to watch more. But yeah. yeah. We'll say okay. that I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the new Kermit voice, which... I don't think was part of the, the ABC show, but um, as far as Muppets now, like I, I saw, I don't know if it was a trailer or just a YouTube clip and I was like, mm, not my favorite. Yeah. They picked some interesting choices for their first episode. They like start off with a big piggy sket, a sketch and I'm like, eh, I don't know if this was the right choice. Anyway, um, I'll be Welcome curious to, to the Muppet cast. Think. Yeah. If you want to listen to Muppet podcasts, I'm sh- sure there's plenty of them out there. Uh, but this is not what you're looking for. So <laughs> fortunately we will not be covering any Muppet properties on, on the show. Unfortunately they never did an animated Muppet movie for Disney. So, mm. so in that case, we'll just have to focus on what, what comes next in the timeline. We are now currently in the 
silver era of the Disney animated features. So this is post-World War II. Uh, this movie came out in 1953. Um, last episode we covered was um, Alice in Wonderland. And so this followed sh- shortly after, after that. Um, so we're going to go ahead and jump right into Peter Pan. Uh, to start us off, Jeff is going to give us some very brief uh, numbers and statistics uh, about this movie, and then we'll uh, we'll continue from there. Alrighty, so uh, Peter Pan was released as Clay said, nineteen fifty three. Uh, had a February release, amazingly. Uh, the runtime is seventy seven minutes. Uh, the budget for the movie was four million, and the current box office, including all the re-releases sits at 87.4 million dollars so not too shabby Uh, was directed by three different directors per pretty usual for Disney films Um, Clyde Geronimi Geronimi? I'm really bad with that uh, names Wilfred Jackson and Hamilton Lusk the classic Um, stars uh, Bobby Driscoll who uh, had at this point done a few films for Disney, uh, Catherine Beaumont, Hans Conried, Conried, I'm so bad at this, Paul Collins, mm. and Tommy Lusk, who I assume is Hamilton Lusk's child. Why not? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, multiple musicians, the main composer was Oliver Wallace, but the songs were done by several different people, so uh, again, pretty standard for back then. All right. Cool. Well, yeah, we can, uh, we'll get into more of that later. Um, next up, we're just going to real quickly hit on our history with this movie. Just go through some of our nostalgia and all that good stuff. So to start us off, David, why don't you take it away? Yes. Peter Pan. So this, this was one of my steeples as a child. And this was, I think, the only VHS tape I ever watched so much that it stopped working. Um, so I was, I was definitely had. I, I remember it was one of the ones that I sort of had like a childhood obsession with. I think this one, and 100, 101 Dalmatians. I remember just sort of getting into it as like an IP. Like I remember owning like Dalmatian stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember being really into Peter Pan, and I like remember wanting to read the books because of this movie. And I remember I tried to write a Peter Pan fan fiction when I could barely write. And yeah, I was, I was really, really, really into like wow. Peter Pan for a bit. Um, so it is, but I, this is one that I have not seen in a very long time because it did, as I said, I did disintegrate the VHS tape. I think this was actually the first time I've watched it again since I was oh, a wow. kid. Yeah. So it is really it's interesting how familiar everything was because it's been so long. I've watched it because I watched it so many times. Um, but then just looking at it through a adult set of eyes was also very unique. And we can probably mm. get into mm-hmm. that later. So I definitely have like conflicted feelings about it now. All right. Cool. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, this is uh, similar to David. I watched this one a lot as a kid and I loved it. I loved the flying aspect was my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the pirates, I've, I've always loved pirates. So that was always a big appeal. Um, and yeah, I watched it all the time as a kid. I never wore out the VHS, but uh, probably got close to it. Um, and then throughout my 
you know, high school, teenage, uh, early adult years. Didn't watch it as much. Um, every once in a while, put it on. Um, and then this is this is my wife's favorite Disney movie. So uh, we've got a lot of Peter Pan themed things around our apartment, like our entire bedroom. The decor is influenced by Peter Pan. So we've got kind of like the movie poster on the wall and um, the curtains for our closet are, are vines to look like the, the Lost Boys hideout, stuff like that, mm-hmm. little subtle things. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a big part of who I am, I would say, uh, this whole movie. And um, as David said, it was interesting to kind of look at it through adult eyes in the year 2020, kind of just seeing what it is and, you know, representative of the era it was made and all that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Okay. What about you, Cool. Kai? Well, mine is pretty similar to you guys. I uh, watched it a ton as a kid, had it on VHS, loved it. Um, definitely was a big fan of just the Peter Pan uh even the play, I remember seeing the play as a kid. Mm-hmm. I think my mo- mother took me and saw Same. it at one point. And so uh, I don't know if that was before or after I had seen the movie, but uh, just all around uh, had seen uh, seen a lot of it and uh, was always always thought it was super cool. Um, I'd be interested to, to hear if girls were as infatuated with this movie as a kid or if it was more of a boy thing. I mean, obviously there's girls represented in it, but... Um, like Jeff said, something about pirates and swashbuckling and sword fights and things is just like, it's pretty cool. A dude has a hook for a hand. Like, how <laughs> neat is that? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it was one of those that I've always, you know, been a fan of. Uh, I've watched it here and there over the years. Um, there were certain parts I remember from this movie and we could talk about later that I, I, I realized later on as I got older, actually kind of became funnier to me. Um, Maybe things I didn't not not that there's like adult overtones, but there were a couple of things that just like as a, an adult, I thought that was actually funnier than maybe I did when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, so that that was kind of it. I mean, I've watched it a number of times over the years uh, when I watched it yesterday. Um, it, it wasn't really it didn't feel like I oh, I forgot about this. or mm-hmm. I haven't seen this in forever. It was it was all pretty familiar. Uh, I was quoting things throughout and uh, it just felt like it's pretty it was pretty ingrained in my brain. So um, pretty true to form uh, for me. But uh, at the same time, still very enjoyable to watch. And it wasn't like, oh, here we go. Like, I don't feel like I've been burnt out by this movie. And so mm-hmm. uh, whereas like when I was watching Aladdin recently, the original one, uh, it was like it almost felt like I'd seen it too many times and it, it kind of not that it ruined the experience, but it was just kind of like, oh, man, I think I watched this way too many times when I was a kid. So <laughs> I don't know if you feel that way, David, about this movie, but mm-hmm. uh, obviously you haven't watched it as much recently. But um, yeah, anyway, it's just kind of a tangent. But yeah, so that's my history with it. Um, nice. So with that, we will take off and jump straight into the movie. Uh, we do things a little more freeform these days. We're not going to go scene by scene. We're just kind of going to jump around based on the hosts and what they have noted down while watching it. And we'll just have conversations and uh, and, and work through things. So um, real quick here, I'm going to hit play and then we'll get started.
Peter Pan. Uh, first thing I'll, I'll jump right in with is uh, during the, the opening credit scene, there is a uh, note put on here, um, which was something I also had read online, that uh, Walt Disney Productions, it reads, is grateful to the Hospital for Sick Children, Great Ormond Street, London, to which Sir James M. Barry ha- gave his copyright of Peter Pan. And so, for those of you who don't know, uh, that is obviously true. Um, the the creator and the owner of the copyright of Peter Pan donated the rights, the copyrights to um, this hospital for sick children, and uh, it w- then Walt Disney had to go through this hospital, and they had to. I think he had to actually spend time, um, you know, getting the rights to it. And so uh, I'm sure they received a nice paycheck for this. I don't know. It was just a really cool thing that the guy, Sir James M. Barry, who created this, um, basically gave his rights away so that they would benefit from the Peter Pan, you know, stage production property for, I imagine, still to this day, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. No, absolutely. I did not know that, but the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, one of the things right off the bat in the beginning, uh, they do some good scene setting for uh, London. They do this these really cool London shots as they're kind of jumping into the movie. And uh, I, I don't know. I just noticed that Disney does a really good job of making London feel so beautiful and mystique. Uh, there's quite a few different Disney movies that are set in London, and I just feel like they always do a really good job of uh, I don't know. Like as a kid, I always thought London was like this really magical place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that it isn't, but I, I haven't been there, so I don't know. But um, I don't know. I just think this movie in general just has a lot of really cool um, mm-hmm. scenic shots. Be it in Neverland or not even in Neverland, like you would think it would be kind of drab and boring in the real world. But I thought they they did a good job uh, yeah. setting the scene right off the right off the bat. I agree. I you know it's hearing you say that kind of made me realize like to a lot of american kids london is almost like a fairy tale setting because so many of our you know childhood movies or whatever are set there and we you know it's not a place we can visit easily and uh right you know this one in particular uh a lot of the art direction was mary blair which is one of disney's better more um expressive artists background artists and so i think that helps a lot um, i'm looking at the scene right as the camera goes into the um mrs darling and mr darling getting ready there's like some brickwork and some vines and it's just very painterly and and wispy and whimsical but not but still grounded in reality i guess um so i i i totally agree nice um, my first observation, you know, still speaking of the same scene, is as an adult watching this, I relate a lot more to Mr. Darling here. Um, he's just a dude trying to get ready for what looks like a fancy night out, probably something high stakes for him. I can't remember if they actually said what it was, but, you know, I, I think we've all, at least as adults, gone through that where we're getting ready and we're stressed and we're running late and we can't find our best shirt or we can't find our cufflinks or our tie or whatever. And this poor guy is just trying to get ready and the kids are screwing around and, and you know, he he loses it a little bit. And I, he he doesn't like, he yells, but he doesn't go crazy on anybody. Mm -hmm. He just takes the dog out and tells the girl she needs to just grow up. But Mm -hmm. you know, I I felt a lot more for him than I did as a kid. As a kid, it's just like, Oh, he's the mean dad. 
Right, right. Yeah, I wrote that down too. I, I thought that they did a really good job with his character. He mm-hmm. feels very real, mm-hmm. very well crafted. Uh, like the, the part where he takes Nan outside, uh, but he still gets her water and mm-hmm. kind of apologizes to her and is like, don't look at me like that. And yeah. um, obviously at the end of the movie, when he comes back, he's like, oh, I'm not, you know, you, you know, I say things I don't mean sometimes. And um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, I thought it was also interesting that um, the voice actor for him is also the same voice actor as Captain Hook. Yep. And so um, I assume that was an intentional thing, maybe mm-hmm. not just a budgetary thing where they're kind of um, there's these parallels between the different air, you know, Neverland in real life where, you know, Captain Hook's the bad guy and dad is the bad guy mm-hmm. and just trying to ruin um, their fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Some people even kind of draw a, uh, a parallel between um, the crocodile and Nana. Um, hmm. I, I don't know if that necessarily works, but um, I yeah, I don't know. I, I just I, yeah, I would, need to ex- that. I would need to see what the explanation for that is because I can't immediately draw a parallel there. Right. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess weird. you could see the kids when they're pretending that you know Nana would be the the crocodile yeah of sorts i don't know i think it was more in the mannerisms they were seeing some parallels i don't know Mm. but Mm -hmm. i I saw somebody say that or point that out so um yeah so there are some interesting parallels between um characters and stuff and so i thought that was kind of interesting uh the last thing i i'd noted about the father for now that I just kind of wanted to throw out there. Is the father really such a bad person for wanting his preteen daughter to have her own room away from his two younger sons? I mean, his reasoning for it was because she was telling them, you know, nonsense stories. But I mean, at some point. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't think you can fault him for that. You know, it's, (laughs) it's part of growing up and it, it does suck. Like when you're a kid and you want to just keep playing make believe and, and you've got your two younger brothers kind of anchoring you to that it it helps yeah so i understand i don't, I don't think yeah. the father's that bad yeah i would definitely have rather have my own space yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like i feel like when you're such a certain age it's like you want your own space like you know regardless <laughs> well and you stop sharing a bed with your sister i mean i'm not right. saying they're sharing a bed but like at some point i wasn't allowed to share a bed with my sister and when we go to a hotel room you know because mm-hmm. at some point you're just like all right yep she's growing up and yeah. you need to give yeah. her space <laughs> yeah. but i just thought it was funny like oh he's such a bad person for mm-hmm. saying that she has to sleep in a different room yeah. but i get that's the whole point is you know it's part of growing up and you know setting aside childish things or whatever mm-hmm. but i just i'm just sitting there like wow is this really the worst thing he's done to these kids yeah. that he's like you are going to sleep in a different room now like <gasps> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah for real <laughs> Yeah, definitely not like, the normal Disney parent, which you know, usually either try to murder, or tries to murder their kids, or enslave their kids, or lock their kids away. You know, mm-hmm. he got is, mad once. Is this the first one with both parents? Oh, I'm trying to sure. think back over the ones we've done. That's a good question. Most of the parents have been dead yeah. up to this point. Yeah, you might be right. Interesting. But I don't have the memory to remember. I can't remember if the three caballeros all had their parents or not. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. This was definitely did, some ducks. One thing I did forget about this movie is that it starts with narration. Yeah. I totally forgot and 
Mm-hmm. It kind of seems unnecessary, in my opinion. Yeah, and it doesn't conclude with narration, right? So it right. just is. Yeah. On, it's not bookended. It's really odd. Right. I don't think I'd remember that either. Yeah, it just has this weird little intro, but. Uh, Saying the, this has all happened just, before and it'll all happen again. <laughs> that it's just gone forever. <laughs> I wonder if they wanted to add that because that is like a famous line from the play. And they couldn't be. figure out a way to work it in otherwise. Yeah. That would be my guess. That would make the most sense. I yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Nana is such a good character in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's so fun to watch. She's so sweet. Um, she's hilarious because uh, there's a couple scenes where at the beginning and the end where she's like either putting the kids to bed or cleaning up after them. And she's like listening to the boys talking and she like reacts to the things they say yeah. like at the end like she, uh, Wendy says they called him a codfish and she like she like <laughs> abruptly like turns and looks at him like what <laughs> I don't know just like a very expressive and uh, I don't know just the concept of having a dog as a uh, as a maid uh, is, is pretty awesome and yeah. I wish I had a dog maid as a kid but same yeah and her her animation is much more comical characterized uh, than the people mm-hmm. which i love and the, um in that sense with the crocodile like the crocodile is the same way where he's a, he's a very much a comedic relief character and um not to say that nana is really meant to be a comedic relief character but the you know as a kid watching her pick up the blocks and then just keep getting them knocked over over and over again does at least ease some of the tension in the scene especially if you're a kid seeing a father like yelling at his kids um the character animation was really good on her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody else find it a little strange that the parents put their kids to bed and then left for a night out on the town? Yeah. I realize these are different times, but like, isn't that kind of like a big no-no within the parenting world that you don't just leave your small children at home? I mean, I get that, you know, Wendy's older and stuff, but yeah, if like, she woke up in the middle of the night and their youngest like wasn't breathing. I mean, what what are they gonna do? Like, yeah. oh, we're out at the opera. <laughs> Your problem. Yeah, figure they it just, out. She just gets out her iPhone and calls them. Right. right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, I know it's weird because I think that was probably more more accepted then, but it was actually probably more dangerous then because you know right. nowadays. Wendy yeah. would have probably had be able to just text her parents if anything went wrong, and one of them could have came back. But, you know, <laughs> back then. <laughs> what are they going to do? Send a sparrow? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's a raven. I, Send a raven. <laughs> I, I know it's, like, not really a huge deal. I just, yeah. It's just kind of interesting to think. But mm-hmm. I guess it, like, gets them out of the house, which then makes it more possible that they, you know, things could go on and they wouldn't be alerted to it or something. But, um, yeah, just kind of interesting, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, another comment as we move forward, the introduction of Peter Pan. They show him in shadow up on the roof. And, you know, it's an interesting way to reveal the character, kind of mysterious, whatever. And and Wendy had just sort of made mention of him casually to her mother as she was going to sleep. It's like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. this boy comes through the window. Don't lock the window. So, you know, red flag. Um, (laughs) But... No, so like they introduce him, showing him in shadow, and then all of a sudden Tinkerbell illuminates his face. But I don't know if you guys noticed, like 
it's super creepy looking like it looks really weird and like they didn't light his eye area so it looks like he's wearing like a burglar mask and it's just Mm -hmm. it's an odd way to bring in the character and it almost seems foreboding and predatory but like um yeah odd (laughs) choice yeah it is an interesting choice i'm not sure the full thought process on that but um I did. I did see someone else point out with that that sequence, um, Tinkerbell in that sequence is just kind of a ball of light, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is up to this point was the only way she had been portrayed, uh, especially like in the stage adaptations was. Oh yeah. Usually there, there wasn't like an actual person uh, playing Tinkerbell. It was just a uh, a ball of light or whatever. So they kind of started off as a ball of light, and then obviously eventually showed that she's a. Mm-hmm. A pixie or a fairy or whatever right. she is so mm-hmm. um but yeah so i thought that was interesting that he kind of gave a nod to that but yeah as far as like what the way peter pan looks i'm not sure if they're just trying to make him seem mystical or showing that he can sneak around and kind of be mischievous mm-hmm. or what but, right um uh speaking of tinkerbell interesting her character and just the history with her is quite interesting uh, of all the characters in this movie, she probably has the the most life post this movie. You know, she yeah. kind of became a staple at Disney. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you think of that classic Disney logo with the little line that goes over the Walt Disney mm-hmm. logo. And that, I mean, that's her. And, yep. you know, she's gotten her own star in Hollywood and she has her own movies and and i don't know if they had a tv show or not but uh i don't know i just thought it was interesting that she's not the strongest character in this movie i think she's animated well and has good um character animations and stuff but she's kind of selfish and jealous and a little redemptive at the end but still kind of just slightly she's like kind of the second villain yeah i forgot how downright murderous she is jealous conniving little very yeah exactly. it's just like let's let's find multiple ways to kill wendy <laughs> i thought like as a yeah even the mermaids too like all the other yeah. female characters that are not wendy in this basically want to just murder the shit out of wendy or sorry <laughs> <laughs> yes i know what you mean everybody's kind of mean to wendy poor thing yeah um but yeah so i thought that was interesting um I, I don't know what it is about her character that people enjoyed so much. Um, not that it, they don't enjoy her, but I don't know. It, something about her that gave her life, and I, maybe it was just Disney kind of choosing to use her. Uh, you know, like if you think back to those, um, what were they called? The ABC things with the, the Wonderful World of Disney or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, those television ones, they usually started with Tinkerbell kind of opening the uh the show or whatever yeah. kind of mm-hmm. doing her little wand thing yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't know i just thought it was interesting that of all the characters she kind of has had the most life post mm-hmm. post this movie but yeah um another thing in this scene with peter chasing his shadow just want to talk about the effects animation here with the shadow um yeah really cool um there's transparency to it which i just i don't know too much about cell shading um <clears throat> shadows excuse me um but it seems like it would be hard and there's a part where his shadow comes up from behind a chair and the chair has a shadow and i feel like in lesser quality animations you would see like a stark 
contrast between the uh, painted shadow and the actual inked animated shadow. And if you watch it, like it blends just seamlessly into that. And I, I know it's such a small detail, but like that is super impressive to me. Um, yeah. And and the other thing, uh, back to Tinkerbell real quick, was the, uh, the the pixie dust effect animation. Like holy crap! Like to think that all that was done by hand and and not obviously CGI, is is really mind blowing because of just how many individual particles are being animated and trying to keep them in sync and, and look natural, like, very impressive work. Totally. Yeah, I noticed the shadows as well, and not just in the scene with his shadow, but really throughout the whole movie, mm, yeah. I think they did a really good job of of that, and mm-hmm. so I, I also had noticed that as well. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, let's talk... Sorry, I, just another scene just played where Wendy's opening up the drawer that Tinkerbell's stuck in, um, and her shadow is cast across the, um, the, the whatever it is, the dresser that has the drawer, and like you just see the shadow flat across the top of it, and then you know bending down the side of it and contouring to all the three D aspects of it, and like again, just incredible attention to detail and well done. Like I can't imagine that was easy either. Right. Yeah, I think they pretty much had that down by this point. Mm-hmm. They were masters of shadows. Um, so, let's talk about the song You Can Fly. Okay. Obviously, this is um, this is kind of the pinnacle, probably the, the one song most people remember mm-hmm. from this movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. We're still kind of in this generation where uh, a lot of the songs in these movies are sung by chorus. And not, you know, the characters themselves. Oh, yeah. Obviously, there are, are some songs, you know, in these movies that are sung by the people. But um, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I think having choruses sing music was uh, more a thing of that time. And slowly we kind of get out of it. But I don't know. It's just something I noticed when, when watching it. Like, the song's super popular, but it's sung by a chorus of people that we don't know who they are. Mm. But uh, definitely a classic. I don't know. What do you guys think of this song? Oh, yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, it's. I think this is the first um, song from this movie we've been going that I really sort of like from a nostalgia level. I mean, there's, there's other good songs. This was the first one I remember like really like enjoying. Um, and obviously, I really like the later stuff. But as I said, a lot of these earlier songs are like, oh, that's nice, but it was like wasn't my cup of tea. But something about just this one, just like really, I don't know, just makes you excited. You just like feel amped up. As soon as they start singing and you want to go jump out a window and kill yourself. <laughs> Please yeah. don't do that. <laughs> Man, I wonder if this movie ever like led to dark things like that. I don't I don't want to know. I can fly, I can fly, I can splat. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they just jump off the bed or something. Yeah, yeah. Break yeah. an ankle. Totally. <laughs> yeah, um, it's uh Go ahead. No, I was just going to say again, um, when I was talking earlier about how much I loved the flying aspect, it was really this scene specifically when they fly over London and just, I just thought it looked so cool. At that point, I'd never been in an airplane or anything. So like to see the world from above and basically make the world look like miniatures, I always have been fascinated by. Um, It's like my favorite scene in the Peter Pan ride at Disneyland, Disney World. So yeah. yeah, just in general, seeing them flying through the air and through clouds and, um, you know, both the animation, the music, and then just the scene. Like, yeah, I just love it. And then they kind of go around Big Ben and, and land on it. Like, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. 
is definitely iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's basically what I was going to say. So the flying around town part is definitely awesome. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, my next note is we've finally arrived in uh, Neverland and uh, we are kind of started off by introducing the pirates um, is kind of where they first take us once we get there. And uh, I just wanted to point out how great the pirates are in this yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. They're like they're goofy, but they're also kind of deadly and dangerous. Um, but I think they did a good job of not making them super scary or like making like kids afraid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the big reasons that you don't get that is uh, obviously they're dancing and singing and having a good time. But uh, I think sh- I always say Shmi. Smi, uh <laughs> I think is, is a big part of that where mm-hmm. it, I think they kind of intentionally, obviously is just a funny character, but kind of takes some of the scariness away probably for kids yeah. and uh, makes you kind of, realize like hey well, this is all in good fun and it's not just even though they're constantly making jokes about you know slitting throats and stuff mm-hmm. it's still all kind of whimsical and all in good fun even though they're murderous pirates and I, don't know, I just thought they did a really good job with that and i think the the whole pirate crew is just kind of unique and really well done yeah i agree i they're the most um maybe not the most but they're very lively uh well animated they're not just kind of done as background characters but like there's right literally the opening scene of this is them like throwing knives at a door with like a drawing of captain um and like one of them throws it with his foot and like one guy has it balanced on his tooth and then throws it and like just the character animation on them is is just like fantastic like you, you can't do reference animation for those things so mm-hmm. um that, to me that's that much more impressive i thought that was really well done yeah uh let's talk about captain hook uh he's an interesting character uh i think very well done uh, i'm not sure how true to the you know source material his character is portrayed in this movie but um basically right off the bat when we meet him uh, he ends up murdering his own man uh, for singing. So just very casually, uh, <laughs> like without even looking, nonchalantly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, they're they're kind of toying with this line of, um, you know, these awful pirates. But then they're also you can't help but just keep watching them and uh, at times kind of almost rooting for them or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. They they kind of go back and forth. Um, but still a great villain overall. I think he's very eccentric and over the top. And uh, I think him and, and Smee work really well together. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of like one of those classic comedy duos where mm-hmm. uh, they just they almost work better together than they do on their own kind of thing. Um, which, the, the I mean, the opening scene we have with them is this very, very well done scene where Smee is giving uh, Captain Hook a shave and uh, Seagull ends up landing on him. He ends up shaving <laughs> the it. seagull, and then he thinks he beheaded Captain Hook. <laughs> and, oh, dude, the whole scene is just so well done. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. It's just a great scene of showing how much of an idiot Smee is and how quick to anger Captain Hook can be and how dramatic he is. It also gives us some backstory as to Hook and uh, Peter Pan's, you know, kind of backstory and 
Because really, we don't get a lot of backstory of Peter Pan or Captain Hook outside of kind of this little scene, I think, really. Yeah. Um, I know at one point when they were first talking about making this movie, uh, there was a lot of discussion about uh, providing a lot of backstory to Peter Pan. And I think eventually they just realized it we, it doesn't need it. We can It can just be more of a... Uh, we're not, you know, it's it's a little more mystical and, you know, provide a little backstory, but, you know, not a ton and just kind of leave it, leave it as somewhat of a mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, the, the main thing they put across is that they have a longstanding rivalry and um, can't remember if they explain it here or a little bit later, but just that Peter Pan cut off his hand or, or whatever and fed it to yep. the crocodile <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty messed up pretty dark but you know it's all in good fun <laughs> yeah. all good fun it's neverland but it, it gives hook a real clear motive to to pursue peter pan the way he is in this particular movie um because he's looking at looking at a map trying to find peter's hideout and rather than just be like well why is he doing that he's just hunting kids that's awful but you know he lost his hand to a crocodile so i could understand it's pretty upset yeah yeah there's there's some heavy themes in here uh yeah but i could just imagine peter pan cutting off his hand with a with a knife yeah probably wasn't like a one fell yeah it probably wasn't like one fell swoop he probably had to like really dig at it you know? yeah, yeah soften the all the lost boys like held him down he's like hold out your <laughs> hand <laughs> you must pay then he's just there sawing it off oh i would commission someone to draw a picture of that in like the disney like fashion just the yeah. lost boys holding hook down and him sawing at his hand yeah it's just like this tears just streaming down his face and <laughs> oh man <laughs> Uh, oh. It's troubling to think about. It really is. hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. Um, yeah. So the next thing I have is following the leader. Anyone have any other things to point out before we, we get to that point? Um, just a little before following the leader. When the kids are arriving to the hideout, Tinkerbell goes ahead and has the Lost Boys like try to shoot her down. Um, because right. again, Tinkerbell murder the villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, again, I keep saying this over and over, but the effects animation is Tinkerbell is like walking through leaves. And then when she gets like angry and burns a hole through the leaf and there's, uh, you know, some really good quality animation here again. Um, yeah. Yeah. Her character is interesting cause she doesn't speak obviously. And mm-hmm. so, uh, she has to be very expressive and, yes. uh, but yeah, I think they did a good job with with making the environments around her kind of, um, you know, reflect what she was doing or whatever. And mm-hmm. if she went behind a leaf, it wasn't just heart, you know, dark green leaf. It mm-hmm. would glow or whatever. And I thought that was kind of neat. And obviously when yeah. she gets mad, she turns red. And mm-hmm. so they did a really good job of of with her character, which is like I said, I think the reason why she ended up, you know, passing the test of time is that they just... Even if you don't like her character, they still did a really good job with her. And, yeah. Uh, she's kind of sassy and mm, mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff. But uh, maybe that's what women like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a woman. Right? I don't know. <laughs> Next up is Following the Leader. <laughs> Another classic song yes. from the movie. <laughs> Uh, this one I always remember seeing, uh, same with You Can Fly, but in the uh, sing-alongs, this was uh, 
always a, in, in, yeah. in the sing-alongs that I watched and stuff. But definitely um, not a bad song. Pretty simple, uh, but still catchy, and uh, it serves a good purpose of kind of showing uh, Neverland and some of the stuff around it. And there's kind of this running gag throughout that they're like near death the entire time, but everything <laughs> is just kind of a, a fun little game and. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a cute little segment, and uh, yeah, it's it's catchy. So yeah, do you guys like this song? It's a fun little song, and yeah, I love as they pass the different like the bear and different things, and like John pokes him in the nose with his umbrella and gets mad, and mm-hmm. like you said, they're, they're like on yeah. the verge of death the whole time. I think it's it's a good song as well. I feel like mm-hmm. this is one of the parts there's a little bit more room for me once I realized that what they were doing, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> We're gonna go off and yeah. capture a ninja. And yeah. I was like, "Oh, cool! So they're actually basically going on a racial lynching. That's awesome." Yeah. <laughs> Follow the Which leader. <laughs> we do learn later that, that it's all a game to them, and they have a, a fun, outstanding relationship with um, the Indians. But yeah, at the beginning, he's like, "All right, you guys go h- hunt some uh, Indians," and then they're thinking about <laughs> hunting the Indians. Um, <laughs> Which, yeah. So I think now's as good a time as any as we, uh, you know, have arrived on the the footstep left in the mud of our, our fellow friends. Uh, the Disney Plus warning may contain outdated cultural depictions. <laughs> Let's talk about the Indians. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who, wants to, who wants to take a stab at it? Oh, God. Uh, I'll try. So... <sighs> Man, or just give your thoughts, whatever you yeah, think. Yeah, there's no, I mean, there's just no, I don't, like, redemption for this. Like, it's just, it's, I don't know if it's meant to be just sort of like this, a child's perception be based on the stereotypes they've been raised with or whatever. But, like, you know, they, they, are per, they portray the Indians as, you know, slow-speaking, poor English-speaking, red-skinned, you know, savages, basically. Um... And I, I don't know. I, it's, it's a weird thing to me that this is still okay for Disney to be showing and, and whatever. And I don't know if it's just because of the prestige the film has around it or, or un- honestly, the, the right. other issue that Native American sensitivity, racial sensitivity is not nearly as portrayed as important as African American racial insecurity is uh at least it seems that way so maybe it's relating to that i mean there's just there's a lot of issues uh here a lot to unpack but um yeah I, I i i can't say that it was done tactfully or or well in any way no i mean they even like sing about the color of their skin yeah in their big song and it's like Oh, this is not even just like bad stereotypes. Like they're literally singing about their their different skin color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. it's yeah, it's so like I I didn't remember that at all. So it kind of caught me by surprise. I was just oh. like, oh god, man. Yeah, <laughs> I really like this movie. This is making it very hard to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I think. Um, I'm not in any way defending any of this, but I think some of it is, you know, obviously when you're at least back in the day, there was this classic cowboys and Indians thing Mm -hmm. that it was, uh, it was like, I don't know. It was popular for kids. It was a popular thing that, um, to make movies and TV shows about 
you know, cowboys and, and Indians and all that stuff. And and so I think this kind of is playing off that where you've got yeah. pirates, you've got mermaids, you've got Indians. And, like, Indians doesn't even fit with, like, with like mermaids and uh, yeah, pirates and stuff. Fantasy. It's really kind of, <laughs> yeah, it's like fantasy. And then all of a sudden we're in this, like, Western frontier fantasy. So it's a little weird. Um, obviously, this was something that was in the source material. It wasn't something that Walt Disney mm-hmm. was like, Let's be racist and uh, right. bring Indians into this. Um, so I, I think to that point, I mean, it was it was part of the material. It was what was written. So I don't know. I, I think this was all kind of created as, you know, it's a fantasy land. It's it's children's imagination. W- yeah. Right. And so for their era, a really popular things was was Indians. And so I, I can see why they put it in. I can see why it was originally created to be in there. Um, even if it doesn't really fit with the whole pirate thing. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I agree. I think the song is really what hurts it up to that point. I'm like, okay, they're like kind of overly embellished character mm-hmm. designs. The chief is like way bigger and like oddly shaped than a human would normally be. Mm-hmm. And so obviously it's kind of intentionally supposed to be a little bit silly or whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other other depictions that Disney has done up to this point that have Indians in them. I think the only thing I can think of is the cigar thing at, um, what is the Island in, uh, Pinocchio at the end mm. when he goes to the, yeah. with the little boys, pleasure like they, Island, there's yeah. pleasure Island. Yeah. They have like, they buy cigars or whatever. And there's like an Indian mm-hmm. stand or mm-hmm. something there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. This is, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah, We'll we'll get to the song. We're not t- technically to the song yet here, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I, up to this point, uh, when they get captured and stuff, I I guess I, I I personally wasn't seeing it as like as offensive. Um, obviously, not all Native Americans have bright red skin, but you know it is a cartoon, and so I don't know. So I guess that's my somewhat defense of it. But we haven't got to the racist song, so we'll save that here for a little bit. Right. Um, we I was come just, back. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, see, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I do agree with you that I think um, obviously it was because of that old game that kids used to play that exists like that. But I don't think that entirely excuses it because you know, obviously, the fact that that game exists itself was pretty problematic to begin with. Mm-hmm. The way Native oh, yeah, Americans definitely. were entirely uh, portrayed as villains when we came and murdered the crap out of them and took their land mm-hmm. and then that's how we got in the play and then Disney in some ways made it I think as we get to the song and how they're drawn and act and voiced made it even more problematic than the source material yeah. which was a choice on their part so I'm not gonna can't just say oh it's just the source material like they made a conscious choice to keep it the way it was and then add on to it even more so which yes it's a movie in the 50s but i feel like that's not always an excuse because there's always voices in every time that like you know spoke out against stuff and just because see but i wonder when that voice actually started though and Mm -hmm. i don't know the answer and maybe it was present at that point but i i obviously for a long time it was never a popular opinion that we you know mistreated uh, Native Americans. I think that's more of a recent thing, and I could be totally wrong on this. This is just what I assume is it's been of more recent, probably in the last like what twenty years that 
we've kind of started to realize, holy crap, we were like huge jerks to the Native Americans that lived here before we settled here. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's, there's always been that voice, but I feel like it, it, if it did exist in the 50s, it was probably very, very small. So um, I don't know. I'd be curious if they ever had conversations around that kind of stuff. Yeah, or same. if they were just like, eh, go with it. Yeah, and didn't even think about it. Exactly. I think to them it was like, oh, this is normal. This is what's acceptable. And I they didn't think twice about it because that's how they were raised. It's kind of what the the cultural societal norm was at the time. It wasn't considered yeah. to be a bad thing. So to them it was like, oh, like nobody's protesting our movie. Nobody's doing a walkout. You know, and obviously it was before the communication age. So even if people were upset about it, it was a lot harder for those people to communicate mm-hmm. that to, say, the studio or whatever. You know, I'm sure they probably got a couple letters or whatever, because I'm sure there were minority voices at the time. Minority just being right. not like, as we say, racial minority, but minority and just the people that were speaking right. out against it were, were fewer and <clears throat> less populous. But um, yeah, I, it, it still doesn't... It still doesn't excuse it. It was wrong at the time. I just, yeah. like Clay said, like they, they just didn't think about it or, or know better themselves. They just, to them, it was okay and, and normal, which sucks. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, it is. It's part of the movie. Um, they obviously have the warning in the description. Um, but to me personally, and I, I said this in chat earlier, but to, to put it on, on record here, like to me it seems weird that this is okay, and, and more so like the song, um, to have this on, say, Disney Plus or, or re-releasing on Blu-ray every couple years where they won't release something like Song of the South due to racial insensitivity. It just, to me, it seems like a double standard. And obviously, this is way more popular and significant and yada yada. But, like, you know, that should not justify the moral compass personally. Like, again, I would say put them both on there and just have the warning because it's history. And, again, it was made when it was made and, and you can learn by seeing it but that's my personal opinion um i I know plenty of people that would say just get rid of both or or edit but yeah it's it's, murky water (laughs) i Mm. i think it's more about um i hate to say it but it's really more when it comes to what motivates corporations it's it's less about what's right and or whatever either way and more about what makes money and song of the south would due to the larger buying and, and power of in the economy of African Americans, it would cause more of a financial backlash for them to put Song of the South on it. Totally. As well it and, and nobody really likes that movie. I mean yeah. I I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but it's not I don't people aren't like it's too bad they don't have that on. That's a great movie. I mean it's just like yeah. Yeah. it's well, just kind of whatever. Most I mean, people personally, already haven't seen it. So that's yeah, personally I don't think either one would really be appropriate for kids. And I think the sort of weird what they've decided is like appropriate to put on Disney Plus is weird. It's like they'll drop stuff like Peter Pan on there, but then they'll edit out the F word in Hamilton. And I guess maybe this is just my values, but it's just it's it seems like what's a lot like there's probably stuff on Hulu that's Fox owned properties that'll that's way less offensive than stuff on Disney Plus that mm-hmm. won't make it there because of something like language or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean personally I'd rather my kids if I had kids, I'd rather them be exposed to something with like some stronger language and just have them understand like, hey, you don't don't go use these words to your teachers and just, you know, parent them rather than have 
racist cultural stereotypes shoved down their throat by Disney. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I it, to me, it makes no sense what's allowed and not allowed other than they've made a calculation about what makes money and what doesn't. And they know that mm-hmm. the amount of people and- that would raise a stink about Peter Pan being on there is not significant enough. That's it. That's exactly it. I think like it's mm-hmm. the social backlash is calculated to be less, like you said. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, we don't have to talk much more about yeah. this, but I, I did want to point out, I think it's interesting that we're having this conversation right now. Cause obviously in 2020, there's this huge um, movement happening where a lot of companies are getting rid of, uh, these cultural and, and racial depictions of, of individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I pointed out is uh, here in Chippewa Falls, where I live, there is a very popular brewery called Line and Kugels. And for the longest time, uh, before the 1900s, uh, they have had a picture of a Native American woman as basically their logo. Mm-hmm. It's like all over all their stuff, their beers, their shirts, mm-hmm. everything. And uh, they just came out and said, I think two days ago, they were taking that away. Um, mm. and getting rid of that and uh, it's not a really it's it's a nice picture of a pretty Native American woman it's not uh, overly embellished or in any way or anything I don't know um, and so a lot of people locally are obviously very upset about that and think that it's ridiculous and all of that and so mm-hmm. I don't know it's it's interesting there's I don't know where I necessarily stand on all of it obviously the Redskins uh, Washington Redskins are changing their name and so mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of st- we're still working on some of this stuff, and yeah. um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to look back and, and try to decipher what what was handled right and what wasn't. Yeah, I, I saw a thing, not to go too far on a tangent here, but just relating to that. I saw a thing um, posted by an African-American guy on Twitter, I think, the other day, where he was talking about the corporations are, are taking the wrong action and removing like um, black figures from their from their marketing materials he goes you know before i could see aunt jemima i could see uh, you know whoever else other uh, that's the most prominent one i can think of but he's right. like now when i walk through the aisles i still see a bald white guy on mr clean i still see the quaker oat guy he goes you know those aren't any better or worse like he goes but now there's right. no representation so it's it's he thinks it's hurting and and that's an interesting observation i don't know if that's a majority opinion i i, did, I have seen a lot would, of people saying I the would, same thing i would say that's probably a minority opinion because i yeah. most of the black voices i've heard have been very supportive of getting rid of stuff like aunt jemina more of just because of the type of stereotype it is unless it has to be being with a black person that's a whole representation is a whole nother um conversation and there's a, yeah. also you know you know you know is bad representation is any better than no representation and you can argue that yeah it's not always good and i've heard that talked about too and even things like feminism with women talking about how like yeah it's great that there's a woman in this but but, like if you're putting women in things but like doing really sorry crappy job representing them is it are you really even doing any good so there i i i I think it's good that you change these but i think that also that's another thing that needs to happen too is actually having representation you don't we like you don't have to use a southern stereotype of like some black woman who looks like some you know happy slave right. stereotype right from the no, south true. you you totally can true. you can put something way better than that on there or you know i don't know it's yeah no, and it's... then it's, it's partly too that these are all like white brands with like 
not the best histories right. of not of racism, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it'd be better to have some actually, you know, more black representation but maybe with less racist histories, maybe some more companies that are owned by black people putting their faces on stuff, you know. But that's I mean, that's a really a whole nother systematic conversation. The reason yeah. it is that way has to do more with racism. <laughs> the fact that blacks don't own these all this stuff. Yeah. So it's really large, complicated issue. And so uh, yeah. Peter Pan. We're working on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Peter Pan. Yeah. Um, What's the, Go ahead. I was going to say it. the reason. No, I was going to say the, the reason that the, the Indians don't let the boys go this time as part of their game is because their princess Tiger Lily has been kidnapped so sets the stage for conflict and conflict yes. resolution. so what is the point of the whole next scene basically uh peter pan takes wendy to the mermaids and they're all super mean to wendy mm -hmm. and they make fun of her and piss her off and then she grabs a shell and is about to crack some skulls <laughs> uh and it's just like holy crap what is going on um i don't know it's just the whole scene it was just like okay what was the point of this mm -hmm. I, I, are we trying to like show that wendy like was so excited to meet them and they ended up being horrible like uh, yeah. i guess it sets up peter pan finding tiger lily but it's just like i don't know the whole scene it was like the the it's not like the mermaids show up later and redeem themselves or right. anything. They just kind of like they're a thing and then they're gone. And it was just, I don't know. It left me like not feeling any better about myself. I thought I, it was just interesting. Mm -hmm. I think the, the only thing that scene serves to show really other, I mean, like you said, other than Peter happening to see the rowboat go by um, is how it, it sort of reinforces Tink's view of Peter where it's just like all the girls on the island just are obsessed with him and defensive of him. And it's like, as long as you're on the island and you're a girl, you're fine. But like, they're not jealous of each other for some reason. Right. But like as soon as an outsider girl comes, I, again, it really doesn't serve anything and there's no payoff for it. So it it is weird. It's to show uh, off I, the mermaids. <laughs> right, right. Look, mermaids. Um, I also know somebody I saw online point out that uh, not to talk about representation once again, but the female representation in this movie is a little questionable at times because mm -hmm. it seems like it's one bit to the other of jealous women mm. who are like oh, fighting yeah, over absolutely. Peter Pan the whole time. Yep. Um, and, and they so, all feel, this is a problem I've noticed in almost all movies of the series, that it feels like they're, they, they've written one female character and kind of just cut and paste that female <laughs> character into yeah. every movie. Like, even the voice and the way she talks. Like, I don't even know if it's the same. I don't know if it's this actress that's been used before, but, like, Wendy Alice. sounds... I think she's Alice, yeah. Is she? She's yeah. Alice. Okay, so it's like... I feel like they all kind of talk and, like, act very similarly, though. And mm -hmm. then they said there's all this... Every woman woman is then just jealous of Wendy because she's hanging out with Peter and the entire motivation of almost every female character in this movie revolves around a male character. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, because it yeah. literally goes from uh, Tinkerbell is almost immediately jealous and, and mad and gets locked in the cupboard and then she tries to, you know, kill Wendy. And then <laughs> the mermaids are jealous and try to hurt Wendy. And then... Um, and then Wendy gets jealous of Tiger Lily and storms off and like leaves. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. It's just like one after the other, and I yeah. I don't know. It just I get yeah, it. They're all they're all young. It's the whole point is that they're immature and they're still growing up and stuff. Yeah. Um. But I I don't know. I guess I guess it's worth pointing out. 
so yeah no i found that i thought that was not the best either mm-hmm. especially because there's a lot more depth given to the male characters like yeah they're immature but it seems like they at least tried with like to make more nuance with the male characters where it's just like oh female jealous okay let's go with that <laughs> right that was the extent of the effort they put forth to characterize them and i mean peter pan's pretty oblivious to it all he doesn't really yeah. notice what he's doing and and i think that's part of you know his character is that he's mm-hmm. kind of uh oblivious and immature and i mean when the when the mermaids are spraying water on her he's just laughing he thinks it's yeah. funny and obviously isn't reading the cues that this is turning into a bad thing until she's literally about to commit assault and then finally he's like whoa <laughs> i better step in yeah um so ah i don't know um one thing i did i didn't notice this i saw somebody online notice it and i thought you guys would appreciate it. this is a very very small detail but when peter pan watches captain hook and shmi um sail by with tiger lily uh they are sailing uh on a little rowboat from left to right but if you look later on the map of of um of the island mermaid lagoon to skull mermaid lagoon to skull island is like from the east to the north and so skull rock skull Skull island whatever yeah that's interesting no i hadn't noticed that that's uh that's the type of stuff. It's a really stupid detail, yeah, but type of stuff I like to point out. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I thought that I was gonna, I liked that. I was like, yeah, they he got they got you there, <laughs> Disney. But this um entire rescue sequence I love and I, I love the yes. um Peter just throwing his voice and hearing Hook's voice coming out of Peter's mouth. As a kid, I th- just thought that was great. You know, because you mm-hmm. know, the magic of animation and lip sync, it's really easy to do. Um but it was just like, ha, Peter can sound just like Captain Hook. How cool. And yep. uh, just the, the comedy that plays out with Smee not <laughs> understanding or realizing. And like, oh, just doing my job, Captain. Just taking her out, just like you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and then when Smee <laughs> like points the gun at Peter and Peter gets behind Hook. And um, total side tangent, really quick one. There's a bunch of stuff in this movie that I realized they... Um, sort of reference in the movie hook Spielberg's movie that was sort of an homage mm. to Peter Pan and a sequel. Um, there's things seems like that where in the, in the movie hook, um, there's a part where Tink is in front of Captain Hook's face and Smee's pointing a gun at her and basically the same, uh, homage uh, to this. Yeah. So I noticed it twice and I can't remember what the other one was and I didn't write it down, but, um, they were there and I thought it was great. Oh, the good form nice. thing. It was, uh, Hook saying good form, bad form, whatever, uh, on the pirate ship. So, got that good part of his form. character. Anyway. Don't try to stop me, Shmee. <laughs> Shmee. <laughs> stop me, Shmee. <laughs> who owns Hook now? So that's probably a universal picture, isn't it? Uh, I think it's Fox. I think it's Disney. Dude, I... Uh, is it on Disney Plus? Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not sure. I'm gonna check. Uh, Amblin Entertainment, which is oh, that's Spielberg, that's pictures. Universal. So maybe it is Universal. Okay, so it was. Yeah. Okay, so it was um, produced by Amblin, I guess, which is Universal now, but it was distributed by TriStar, which is owned by Sony. So I don't know which one of them owns it now. Well, Amblin still. I think they're still independent. They just are in partnership with Universal. Okay. So I guess it doesn't matter. My guess is Sony probably oh, owns it yeah, because they distribute it yeah. as TriStar. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, anyway. Disney does, however, own um, Peter Pan and the Pirates, the Saturday morning cartoon, which was by Fox initially. I don't know if you guys remember that. Don't remember that one. Oh, I grew up 
It's no I really loved Peter Pan, so that's another. <laughs> another Do you also eat their peanut butter exclusively? Yes. Peter Pan peanut butter. No, <laughs> yeah. You're not hardcore. As then, I bro. said, yeah, no, I'm not a hard. When I was a kid, <laughs> I, was, I was into the Peter Pan fandom. Mm. Fan fiction. I'd love to read your fan fiction. I I don't know if, where if it exists anymore. Just find it already. <laughs> you know, I just looked up Catherine Beaumont, and she is still alive. Sorry, totally side note. <laughs> Who's Catherine? Oh, Beaumont? sorry, she's Alice and, and Wendy's voice. Oh, okay. She is nice. Eighty-two. Yeah. Has she done voice work for? I, did she do like Kingdom Hearts or she something? She did at least do the first one. She did when Alice okay. and Wendy in two thousand two's Kingdom Hearts. She retired in two thousand three. So, uh, okay. Alice and Wendy was taken over by Hinden Walsh. But that's the so fact cool that, that she can still one. do that voice at whatever age she was when Kingdom Hearts came out. Yeah, she's doing a little girl's voice. That's it's incredible. Awesome. Yeah, she was like pretty sixty incredible. something, wow. sixty five maybe. Okay, that's impressive. Yeah, most impressive. Uh, one thing I noticed uh, is worth pointing out: the music and the the whole cadence to the crocodile mm-hmm. while he's TikToking to the music is very <laughs> very well turn. done. <laughs> Doing a TikTok yeah. dance. Uh, yeah, TikTok. no, the yeah, everything about like I think the music is called a light motif, right? When they have mm. each character has their own theme. Peter's right. is the dun dun dun, the crocodiles dun 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 dun. dun. Um, absolutely brilliant. The animation on the crocodile, absolutely brilliant. Love it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good. He, he's, he's so lovable, but mm-hmm. like also kind of foreboding. A little at the menacing. Same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But only to um, only to hook. Like you don't feel like he's gonna turn on anyone else. He just wants to right. love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they, they did a really good job with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time he comes around, it's it's awesome. And obviously, Hook is not a big fan and uh, always freaks out. So that's always a good time as well. Um, Moving forward, uh, there is a scene uh, where uh, Hook has Smee pull out his uh, case of Hook's attach- attachments that he has, and uh, I just I just remember as a kid thinking that was like the coolest thing. Ha- yeah. uh, there's like a knife and like a corkscrew, yeah. And I was just like, oh, and they're they're like gold and not mm-hmm. like a silver one. He's got a fancy one. I don't know. I just I remember as a kid always thinking that was like super cool. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I did too. That was that was pretty neat. Our whole generation wanted to lose our hands and jump off of buildings to fly. <laughs> exactly. <Nope>. <laughs> and play with knives. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, next up, I have uh, the song "Why Does He Ask You How" or "What Makes the Red Men Red." Obviously, mm. the song we were talking about earlier. Um, you can call me a terrible person if you want, but it is a really catchy song. And has a good melody to it, even if it is really bad. And uh, yeah. yeah, and it, it's it's a good song too because you get to watch kids smoke opium. So that's yeah. something <laughs> classic. <laughs> Passing that peace pipe again. Why is this okay, Disney? <laughs> God. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, if you think, I think about it, they literally they party all night after they smoke that peace pipe, and yeah. and they come home and pass out. So. It's all Wendy, there. Wendy doesn't want to partake yep. in the, uh, the. She doesn't want to know her place and do the woman chores. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree that musically that's a good song, but lyrically not so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. We, we've we've discussed it. I think at nauseum. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we're already over an hour in, so. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. So we'll just keep her moving. Uh, the next <laughs> song is called "Your Mother and Mine." 
it's probably the lamest song in the movie uh it, it serves a purpose and it, it's a pretty song but uh, i think the only really redeeming part of the song is the pirates standing outside of the hideout and uh smee is crying and he pulls up mm-hmm. his shirt and he's got his mom tattoo and uh, yeah. I, I, just, I thought that part was really kind of well done it just that's seemed... uh, another one that has a parallel and hook when the little girl sings a song and all the pirates get emotional and uh yeah about mothers yeah. and stuff yeah mm-hmm. but i agree it's it's a pretty boring song <laughs> yeah uh shortly after that we get another song uh there's actually a lot of songs in here that you, you don't really necessarily think about but are in here uh mm-hmm. life of a pirate i think is what it's called yeah uh nothing like a bunch of pirates dancing and singing together it's uh it's a good time it's pretty funny i guess Something that I always enjoyed about working at the parks is they would sometimes incorporate some of these into bigger numbers. Um, mm-hmm. So like this one and the one that they are singing at the beginning of the movie the, or at the beginning of the Neverland sequence right. Um, right. are incorporated into a stage show that they used to do at Magic Kingdom and a uh, the Halloween parade that they do at Magic Kingdom. So I thought that it was cool because even when I worked there, I didn't actually recognize the songs when I heard them. It wasn't until I rewatched peter pan mm. after that so i thought you know it's something cool that they do dig deep into some of these they don't just stick to the ones that everybody knows so right i think that's cool yeah and um what was I gonna say? yeah they're, they're not like full-fledged songs right and so i could see how they would need some additional you know adding to it or whatever to make it you know fully fit but mm-hmm. um yeah that's that's cool that is interesting that they they made those work or whatever, but um, I don't know. I feel like there's some other movies where there's like recruitment songs to join the bad guy side. It makes me think of uh, Muppet Treasure Island. They have a, a song mm-hmm. about becoming a pirate. There's another movie I want to th- say where they, Stranger the bad guys sing a song and they have to decide if they want to join or not. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of Aladdin and the King of Thieves, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, anyone, have I passed anyone else's thoughts or notes are we still on the same page here we're yeah we're, we're good um I, while watching the final fight between peter pan and captain hook uh, i just remember how cool i thought it was that peter pan used a knife instead of a sword uh yeah. to, to fight with uh just i don't know obviously in like a real sword fight you would not want to use a knife but he made it work and uh, i don't know i just thought it was always super cool that he he kind of had a knife and he he didn't really attack with it he more just kind of uh I don't know. It was deflecting hook or whatever. I, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. But I, I just remember as a kid thinking it was the coolest thing. That he had a little knife. But yeah. Uh, I love the line. I'm a codfish. Uh, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't know where that all came from, but I just think it's it's awesome and it's it's just it's such an a silly part. thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh wow, <laughs> you, you admit you're a codfish. Wow. But it's so funny. Like I love it. Yeah. Like, all right. Codfish, really. <laughs> Couldn't think of anything <laughs> worse for him to say. <laughs> um, probably one of my favorite bits in the entire movie, and this is one of the things I was talking about earlier that I noticed more as an adult, and I it just made me laugh, and it still makes me laugh, is at the very end when uh, Hook uh, falls in the water with with the crocodile, and he basically gets like catapulted um, over the water, and he's like skidding like he like yes. a rock. And the sound he makes mm-hmm. is just, oh my gosh, it's so funny and just so well done. I don't, 
I don't know like, where they came up with that idea, but it just it always makes me laugh. Yeah, I've always wondered how they did that in 1953. Like my my theory is they're playing back the tape and just sort of like pressing the playhead down onto the tape, like because it just as he skims across the water is just such a cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he like he skids right under the boat, and they just yeah. keep chasing after him. Um, so awesome. Yeah, yeah, I noted that as well. So <laughs> that's great. Nice. Um, going back a little bit, there is one shot, uh, towards the end of the fight with Peter Pan and Captain Hook where Captain Hook is climbing up the ropes Mm -hmm. and it's a shot uh, looking down and he's climbing upwards and the camera is following the rope. It almost looks CGI. Um, if you've got it pulled up, Jeff, it's an hour and 10. Um, I don't know. It's just a really cool shot. It's got the water behind him. Um, I don't know. It's just it's an he keeps getting closer to the camera, but the camera mm-hmm. is still continually going upwards. And oh, I, I see. Know. Yeah, it, it it like almost looks CGI or something, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't I don't know exactly how they did the shot, but uh, there's definitely some multiple things at work going on in that shot. Yeah, the main thing to me that makes it look CGI is that it's they animated the rope rather than him climbing a painted backdrop. So the rope is mm. actually perspective correct and and getting smaller and moving down camera um super impressive it it looks like a parallax effect similar to actually what they used in video games like like donkey kong country 2 and things like that where Mm -hmm. using um stacked 2d objects and pulling them apart and and sliding them in different timing um probably using multiplane uh creates a 3d effect and look and and looks cgi because you can you can use a basically a dial to move them at the exact right speed um but yeah super impressive right there um also similar to that or right after that scene both when he's up on top after pan bests him the second time or whatever and wraps him in the flag um or i guess counteracts him after he'd lost he puts the flag over his head the jolly roger skull is over his face i thought that was funny and it happens again when he's down in the water running from the crocodile (laughs) so uh, you know, yeah. classic. Yeah. Uh, last thing I noted is, I don't know, uh, the ending uh, with, with the father and mother coming home and then them seeing the ship in the sky and mm-hmm. the, the dad's reaction to it. I don't know. It, I, it just kind of hit home to me a lot more uh, yesterday watching it than probably ever had where he kind of he recognizes it. He's seen it before. It makes him smile, and he, they all just kind of hug and happily ever after kind of thing. But I don't know. I just felt like it was kind of a nice little wrap-up to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendy you know, learned that she wants to grow up. The father is kind of rem- remembering his childhood, and and uh, everything everything's good. And so I just thought it was a nice little wrap-up, and it mm-hmm. actually kind of like it impacted me a little bit. And I actually thought that it was, it was a good ending because um, – it could have been difficult. Like, how do you how do you finish this off? They made it home, and she decides she wants to grow up, and the mm-hmm. dad wins. You know, I was just right, kind of like, how yeah. do you how do you wrap that up? And I think they did a good job with it. I so. agree. I'm I'm curious, and I, I'm sure there's a million and one theories about it, and I've never looked into it. But like, if the father was, you know, as a grown up, just sort of forgot, um, which again is the theme of Hook, but um, right. that the father forgot that maybe he used to go hang out and be a lost boy like maybe he played with peter pan for years and then came home like why else would he recognize the ship or his as we said he is the voice of captain hook so was his mental state literally 
transitive through this journey into the imagination. Like it's, it's all very abstract. I think it's the first one. I think it's the first. I one. hope so. That's what I've always thought. But just with the it, it ties in with that that line at the beginning of it's all happened exactly and before happened again or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it. But yeah. he also could go to sleep at night and uh, when he wakes and when he falls asleep he wakes up as Captain Hook. And then when he falls asleep, he wakes up as father. You never know. <laughs> Could be. What do you think, David? What do I think? Yeah. About Captain Hook. And He's not been asleep. listening. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> You've been awful quiet for this discussion. No. Sorry. I got distracted <laughs> by something on my phone. You're um, good. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's just go ahead and jump right into our final thoughts. We'll just do our uh, rated out of 10. And uh, give your final thoughts, what you think, what you're rating it, and then uh, we'll be done. So, David, welcome back. Why don't you start us off? <laughs> um, I said I'm very torn on this movie. It, in some ways, it's my probably my favorite movie out of everyone we've done so far. Um, but I definitely significantly enjoyed it less due to just the dated nature of racial and gender representation. Um, so I can't really... To me, I don't feel like... I'm going to ever enjoy this movie as much as I used to as a child. So, but on the other hand, really like the characters, the world, the animation, and there's just still so much nostalgia for the dialogue, the music, just everything. So it's, I think I'm going to give it a seven of 10 It's the highest I can feel like I can give it. Um, that's going to be mostly probably for the first bit of the movie before a lot of the more problematic elements enter uh so yeah it's it's good i can see people giving it higher though that that can carp carp compartmentalize compartmentalize the issues with it more compartmentalize <laughs> uh the issues with it more um but yeah definitely not a children's movie all right so seven out of ten for david all right jeff what what do you think what are your thoughts i uh Man, it, it's an interesting one to try and give a rating to uh, for me because I do love it. I did love it so much as a kid. It's got huge nostalgia factor for me. Um, I tend to give greater weight to the animation, as I'm sure everyone's picked up by now as we're 11 movies into this. Um, so from like an absolute technical aspect, this movie is them firing on all cylinders. Like They have mastered their art. They have mastered their effects. It is brilliantly crafted. Um, the writing is, you know, it's okay. It's, it's obviously pulled from source material, as most of them prior to this point have been. Um, I can't, I'm not even sure what their first original one was, maybe The Rescuers, but um, I don't even know. Uh, but the one-dimensional female characters and sort of the um, lack of growth in, you know, like Peter, Peter doesn't really grow any wendy's the only one who really grows that i can think of um and, well, that's, and that's the point though yeah and that is totally, not supposed to grow yeah and that's absolutely true um but you'd think like maybe having wendy there would, would he would learn something like obviously he's not going to grow up but he might learn well hold but, on mm-hmm. hold on he does he does because <laughs> technically at the end he takes them back to london where before that true, he was he, wanted he to was mad going. you're right and so okay he did kind of learn to that people he needs to let people grow up when they want to kind of thing. Let people go. I, okay. So he grew there. Um, <laughs> fair enough. I, I will absolutely admit that that sounds 
legit. <laughs> Thank you. Um, anyway, all that said and done with the, the racial stuff and whatever, I can compartmentalize it and, and realize it's a product of its era. And with my focus being more on the animation and art, I'm going to give it an eight. All right. Awesome. All right. Here's my thoughts. Um, beautiful scenery. I think uh, really well done there. I think the orchestration and the, the music that plays in the background throughout is really well done. I think that they did a great job with that. I thought the movie had a really good pace to it. I thought that it, it didn't overstay its welcome. I think it was like the perfect length and it didn't focus too much on one thing that made me lose focus, but it didn't feel like Alice in Wonderland that we were just popping from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. It all felt like it, it had a good roundabout way of getting from thing to thing. And I think that it, it wrapped itself up really well and didn't overstay its welcome. Uh, I think the character animation is really well done in this. Like Jeff said, they're firing on all cylinders. Um, I think the voice acting is probably the best of all the movies we've had so far, mm -hmm. uh, except for maybe uh, Alice in Wonderland. But like I said, I think this whole era, they're starting to figure out uh, the style of voice actors that work for them. Maybe not so much on the main characters, uh, but more of the supporting cast. I think they're, they're really starting to get really strong with, with finding actors. Um, that really define the characters and stuff. Um, I think that the movie has plenty of character arc, especially if you compare it against Alice in Wonderland. Uh, I think it has a True. good moral to the story, at least. Uh, this whole theme of growing up and all that. So, uh, yeah, maybe not like the most you know fresh idea or like, unique in any way, but uh, it at least you know there's a start and finish to it. Um, some of the songs are just okay, I guess. Um, some of them could be stronger. Obviously, there's a couple songs that are, are a bit stronger. So, I don't know. I, I watched this last night, and I really had a hard time finding things that were wrong with it outside mm -hmm. of the obvious cultural depictions and, you know, call it racism if you want. But outside of that, I really, like, the only thing I can think of is maybe some of the songs were just kind of okay. Um, but for the most part, they're all pretty strong. So, um yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, the racist thing is is obviously an issue, and so I docked at a point for that. Uh, I would still show this movie to my kids. I'd probably pause it around the time they show up and say, look, kids, this is uh, – look at the way this is. This is the way they were depicted. This is why it's wrong, but it, it is what it was, and we're in a different time now, and we can now see the error of our ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I could go on showing it, and I would feel like that they would have a good understanding that, wow, that's what people used to think, and we've come so far and all that stuff. So Amen. I don't want to beat the dead horse there. So I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 because I think it's honestly a near-perfect movie, uh, which I – I don't really think of this movie in that way. Yeah. And so when I was watching, I was just like, I really don't have any issues. I, w I didn't really get bored. Uh, maybe during the your mother and I thing, I was kind of like, but they, they just, it wasn't too long and it got through it and I was fine. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's not like my all time favorite movie. Uh, not even probably my favorite movie of this era, but it's just really good. And obviously it's a classic story. And so uh, they picked good source material and I think it Disney complimented it well. And up until Hook came out, there wasn't really a better version than this uh, that, that covered Peter Pan. So I don't know. I don't give out 9 out of 10s very easily, like I said, but it's, it's really strong. And I think that uh, moving forward, they're going to continue to stay pretty, pretty strong like this. So... Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Excellent. All right. 
hour 23. I think we should wrap this thing up. What do you guys think? <laughs> Anything good. else you want to say, uh, David? No, I'm good. Let's go. All right. Well, thanks, Jeff and David, for being here. Another great episode. Uh, we had an issue last month with Alice in Wonderland getting posted, so hopefully this one won't have issues. But stay tuned. We will be doing another episode next month. Next month we are covering, is it Lady and the Tramp, I believe? Yes. I think so. You sure? I looked yesterday. I'm pretty okay. sure that's what it is. I felt like um, there was one more before that, but I'm probably wrong. Yeah. If I hadn't looked last night, I would not know at all. So, um, but yeah, we'll keep working through the silver air. We got some good movies on the horizon, and so I, I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, and uh, make sure you check us out on social media. We're all on Twitter. Look us up. Uh, you can just search our names. I think it'll pop up. So, uh, and we'll be back next month with with another episode of Movie Bites. So you guys have a great day. Bye. Bye.